Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Omar Cotter having his crime sentence expire uh, with a judge in Alberta today suggesting that uh, he be free and clear. So essentially it's the end of the road in terms of having to deal with his sentence and the actual service of it. Let's get our own legal expert in here, Joe Newberger, uh, to explain how this all plays out. Joe, it's good to have you back. Good afternoon. My pleasure, John. Great to hear from you. All right. So Cotter's sentence expired. You know, the bail conditions that have been set upon right. him. He couldn't get a passport. He couldn't travel to see his sister. In the former Soviet Republic of Georgia, had to be, uh, you know, alert a parole officer if he was planning to leave Alberta. All of that is expunged, gone. That's the end of it. But there's still the civil suit from the widow Spear out of Utah, I believe, seeking like $135 million or so on and so forth. Uh, that didn't have an impact in this regard. Uh, his own lawyer said, you know, that, that case is moving too slowly anyway. So did the judge make the right call in your estimation? No. You know, I have concerns about how this played out, and and I am a criminal defense lawyer, but I've done a lot of treaty transfer cases and extradition issues. So when you come over from a foreign jurisdiction and you, let's say, have an eight-year sentence and you get transferred at two or three years of that sentence, so the remaining part is, let's say, for argument's sake, five years in Canada, it's now up to the Canadian Parole Board to make a decision as to when you have your parole and then uh, when that warrant expires. This was an application brought to a judge to say that given a number of factors, uh, he should have been completed and all the terms and conditions should be at an end. I'm not entirely happy with this, and I'm going to have to read the ruling more closely because what's of paramount concern is how we deal on an international basis with obligations between countries because we do not want unilaterally other countries making decisions about sentences that we make. So I have some concerns about that. Uh, and, of course, this is an extremely controversial case for a number of reasons. Having said that, I do have some sympathy for the fact of what his age was at the time and the treatment that he endured. That doesn't mean that I agree with the settlement, but I do have sympathy for that. So I'm, ne- I'm not necessarily on the side that I think this was an appropriate way to deal with it. Um, that being said, um, you know, the, and, and the Crown will not be seeking any further peace bonds on him in order to monitor his whereabouts. And it may very well be that he is at very limited to no risk to Canada or anybody else. But I have some concerns about it because of our international obligations to our treaty partners. And I think you asked me about the civil. I know I'm going on. I'm sorry. I no, no, I was just going to say because the judge said uh, these bill conditions were considered a part of the uh, of the sentence and, right. you know, sort of added that in, lumped it in and said, OK, I mean, you know, he's done is better than eight years if we really want to take that into account. Yeah. And he's free and clear. But, you, you know, on this matter of this civil suit from the uh, widow in Utah, I mean, that's part of the covenant or agreement that he was going to be held as well for eight years. Right. That's right. And and even though that he may be free and clear of the obligations on, on the release order, he still has that conviction. The sentence is still on his record, and there's no way to avoid that. So it's there. It will be there for life. It's not going to change. It's a U.S. conviction, but it's there, and that will impact him you know, moving forward. 
As far as the civil case is concerned, again, not my bailiwick, but the reality is he's still going to have to deal with that civil lawsuit, and there can be liability attached. The question is with him, you know, yes, he, he got a settlement, but there's a, an issue as to what the damages are, and then if they prove the liability, assess the damages, and then be able to collect on it. So that's going to it's going to have to move through the court process. But again, I have I have considerable sympathy for the plaintiff in this case. Okay, and this is in Utah, uh, and so if it's a, a ruling against Omar Khadr on the right. civil suit, uh, where I guess the preponderance of ever evidence or the uh, threshold is not quite as high for causing the death of uh, Sergeant Spear in that case, right? He'd have to pay out. Right. So you, you raise a great question. So both in the United States and Canada, the standard on a civil lawsuit is a balance of probability. And then you can apportion liability. So he could be a contributing factor to the death. He could be partially liable, 50 percent liable, et cetera. I mean, I, the, the exact terminology escapes me, but but there's varying degrees. And then based upon the liability which is found, then the judge will have to assess damages. And you know how they are in the United States. Damages can be quite extreme, even if there's partial liability found then they'd have to move in Canada with that judgment in order to get a similar judgment ordered in Canada and then seize assets, and that is a long, complicated process. All right, but Omar's not out of the woods yet. On another related matter, uh, in terms of, uh, because I guess the Crown wanted him released into the community, there has been an individual released into Brampton, Madeline Harts, formerly known as Matthew Harts, with a rap sheet that included uh, more than... 60 victimized girls under the age of eight. Uh, this person, I guess, is now uh, gender fluid or something like that, or is yeah. identifies as uh, a woman, 36 years of age. Right. But uh, Patrick Brown, the mayor, was on uh, last hour and is outraged, uh, saying, you know, they just put these people in our community. This is a case that, uh, you know, outraged people in Western Canada where all of these uh, things took place, these crimes took place. Should a community not be notified when uh, somebody uh, with this serious, you know, uh, criminal uh, conviction record is dumped in their presence? Don't they, isn't that an obligation the authorities would have to the community? No, because the difficulty then is, and, and let's not just deal with this one individual. So you take an offender who needs to be reintegrated into the community because they're, uh, they're reached their statutory release and the completion of their sentence, and they need to be integrated while on parole. If this is released to a particular community and to uh, individuals publicly, the person will never be able to resettle specifically because Patrick Brown now wants to just make himself back into a politician to get back into uh, greater politics. So I'm not so sure that um, his his outrage is completely uh, morally justified in this case, but may have some self-interest. What, what I'm saying is that if we have offenders uh, going on parole, we cannot ostracize them in a public way like they do in the United States because then you may never, ever be able to reintegrate them. The parole authorities will notify the local police. They will know what's going on. There will be monitoring. I'm not always secure, and I'm sure you're quite skeptical about this, and I, and I think that's soundly based, that parole authorities will follow as, as closely as they need to, but high-risk offenders are followed carefully, and if there are issues... It can be dealt with, and there have been issues in the past with other offenders where it's been effectively defended. I don't believe in public um, display of where they are and ostracizing them because in the long run for any other offender coming into the community, 
it would make it exceptionally difficult and put other people at high risk. All right, Joe, I've got to leave you on that note. I'm out of time. Unfortunately, I wish we had more. I'm going to miss you. Yeah, well, we'll pick it up on another another time. Uh, But you've explained yourself. I get the essence of where your argument's going, and I appreciate your time as always. We'll talk soon. thank you so much. Have a fantastic show. Lots to talk about. Uh, Well, that's for sure. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.